Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Ed. This is Kevin. And we come to you on the brink of college football season. In fact, I think there was already college football played today. It's uh, Thursday, 8-24, August 24th. I think there was like one random game played, uh, which might have been the official first college football game of the season. I'm looking this up right now. I... I didn't realize it was Thursday and so uh, I I think it was like a, a random random very random FCS game. I know that there's games on Saturday. I think there is only set games on Saturday. I'm looking at it right now. Uh maybe there's swear, maybe there's an FCS I game. Swear yeah, you're right. Yeah, FCS. That's, I think there was an FCS game, yeah. All right. Well, uh I'm not going to look up FCS games. But I'll believe you. <laughs> All I'm saying is it was the official first uh, first game of the season. I saw something on, on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now about it. And uh, yeah, it got me, got me excited for the, the rest of the season. But I think before we, we jump into that, since it's going to be the, the majority of this episode, I think it would behoove us to lead with our basketball team and our trip to Spain right now. Yeah, it's a good look. So, I mean, what an experience for for the team, you know, to go out to Spain before the season starts, just go around. It looks like it's as much of a, you know, experience trip as it is a basketball trip and a, you know, competitive trip more than anything else. Um, and and look, like, I mean, the games are cool as fans to follow. You know, I mean, we're, we're missing our three best players, probably, or three of our best players for next year. Um, Noah Dembona, Noah Daimara, Noah Burke, Tunjo. I mean, that's basically our entire front court rotation for next year. So we're missing a lot. So it's hard to take anything from the games themselves, especially also given that, again, they're not really game planning and scouting and doing it that they're going to the beach before the game. Um, but I mean, it is cool to just, you know, see more or less, you know, as of this moment in time, who's getting playing time, um, you know, who has the green light to shoot that kind of stuff um and and also like who's turning it over because those are the people you know if that number is high right now probably means in the in the fall they that better that better get lower or they're going to the bench yeah i mean you said it said it well there's not a whole lot to take away from this for the reasons you gave plus the competition really what we're, we're who we're playing we're not playing the hardest teams on earth here, uh, so it's it's really hard to really look at this and say take anything meaningful away from it. On top of the fact that these aren't being televised anywhere or streamed, so we, we're not even actually really watching the games. But there's information leaking out there on the online. You know, people who happen to be in Spain are attending and and posting stuff about it. Some there's you know sources putting some information out, and I think the early returns so far. Again, take this all with a grain of salt, but I think this tells us something. Uh, Sebastian Mack looks fantastic, uh, especially as an offensive player right now. I mean, he he seems to be a guy that just has that dog in him, and he just seems tenacious, uh, wants to score, kind of alpha dog mentality. And, you know, we've had guys who've been go-to scorers. You know, Jaime Jaquez was a guy like that. Um, you know, but but we haven't had a guy that's from the guard position, at least in a very long time, that can kind of take over a game uh, like Mac sounds like he can. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited for Mac. I, I and I and, and I probably should tone it down a little bit, but I mean, this is exactly the kind of player that you want at a top tier college program, in my opinion. You need guys like Sebastian Mack. You need, but like we had before with Tiger Campbell, with Jaime Jaquez, guys who just they were clearly very good players, but there was just some deficiency in their in their makeup, their height, their weight, athleticism, whatever, that was going to prevent them from going pro right away. And Sebastian Mack looks like he fits that profile. Like he's a top 50, top 60 recruit. Um, probably is, it, it looks like he's already going to be contributing in year one. And if he's doing that, he probably has a good chance to start like shortly after that. And you want like those three, four year guys who are going to be solid contributors, not just three, four year guys on the bench. And you know that you need those two but guys were going to be consistently out there and starting and playing for you. And at the very least, we can gather so far, you know, throw away the stats and throw away all that stuff. You can gather that Sebastian Mack clearly is at this moment with this group of players without all the guys who aren't there, one of the better scorers and the leading scorer on the team. So that's that's a good sign. Absolutely good sign. Uh, excited to see him play you know, throughout the season, see him develop. We know Mick Cronin players always develop. Uh, but it's a good sign to see him actually get the ball, uh, attack the paint, sounds like, attack on offense. Uh, and I think it's it's interesting to look at some of the stats and some of the box scores are coming out. Um, UCLA's played two games, 2-0, uh, first against All-Star Madrid and now against Valencia. And in this Valencia game that they played today, this morning, uh, PST, he took 20 shots. So, 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 so I, I was excited about that just, just from this standpoint. Um, he shot seven threes. He missed every single one of them, but he shot seven threes. How many times last year did we watch Will McClendon and, and you know, earlier on the year, Dylan Andrews pass just up not early shoot. or open yeah, threes? Just, yeah, just like refuse to shoot. So that's a good sign. I mean, he missed all, he missed a lot of shots today, right? So, I mean, that's, that's there, but he's willing to shoot and he has a green light to shoot. Like in this collection of players right now, he looks like he has license to shoot because no one shoots 20 shots and plays 28 minutes under Mick Cronin and lives to tell the tale. If they if they aren't trusted to to do it right, <laughs> look Mick Mick has said from the very beginning this this is a fun trip. They're trying to just you know build some chemistry and and so winning is not the the goal necessarily. But we've won. Uh, but but to your point, yeah, that's uh, it's a rare thing for a McCronin coached player to to uh, to survive and not get yanked immediately. And now along these lines, uh, you know who still isn't shooting. Will McClendon. Yeah. So again, you don't want to take too much away from it, but if he's not shooting, like this is a player though. Like if he's not shooting in these games, like we got to see how it goes later on. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it, again, early on, he he also is per usual not turning the ball over, and uh, you know in this game we did have a lot of turnovers. Again, nothing to really take away from that. Um, but you know, it looks like Will McClendon as of now. At this moment, based on not just the games, because again, the games are kind of throwaway, but also what you're hearing from practice reports and such is more or less the same player as he finished last year. So we got to see how that goes. And and that's fine, right? If if Sebastian Mack is a guy who is playing at a higher level, 
he should probably be in there uh, if he gets McCronin's trust and is a guy who's not turning over the ball. And as a bucket getter, I mean, he can be that go-to guy when needed. He should absolutely be playing, and, and McClendon should probably get less minutes. But, but again, we'll see uh, what happens when uh, the actual season rolls around. You know, the other guy... Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, the game today, when I, when I, I, I messaged you about this, when I saw they were playing Valencia, because this is, I guess, Valencia's like second team, like their second division team, because um, the actual Valencia they play in like the first division. So I was like, wow, we're really going after it. Like we're we're playing like a first division team, but uh, you know, thankfully we didn't, because I think that might have been a bit too much. Well, especially without our big guys, right? You're going to get pushed around anyways, but when you basically only have uh, Kenny Nuba as your big down low, <laughs> it's probably not going to end well uh, when we're not being able to rotate other guys. Um, but I think the other guy who's stepped up during this trip that we've, we were expecting to play a, a pretty big role and seems like he's going to live up to that is uh, Lazar Stefanovic. Uh, in the first game, he had a double-double uh, with scoring and rebounds, so he's clearly rebounding the ball, even though he's not was not the biggest guy on the court then. Um, but in this game, too, he's he's seems like a dependable shooter, uh, dependable player. Uh, by all accounts, it sounds like he plays really, really hard gets back on defense and, and has that kind of hustle gene in him. Um, so good to see him, you know, come transfer in as that kind of leader, veteran leader who has a lot of experience since this is a very, very young team uh, with very little experience minus a few guys uh, for him to kind of sh- uh, continue on that, uh, help help build some of that Mick Cronin culture into these young guys, even though he hasn't been here very long. Uh, but it sounds like he's he's fitting right in. Yeah, you know what else Lazar Stefanovic didn't do today? Turn he the did ball not over. turn the ball over. Zero turnovers in a game again that was high turnover as you would expect. Slop, this, it sounded this sloppy. Time of year. Um, he didn't turn it over and still got you know a good number of shots. The usage was pretty high, um, so that's good to see. And again, uh, you can see why the coaching staff went out and got Lazar Stefanovic. Now, at the time when it happened, I think. A few of us were like, "Whoa, what are we doing here?" Because it, it it doesn't look like we will have the scholarships, you know, to to go around for this. But it looks like this is absolutely a thing that's needed on a team like this. That's going to have so many young bodies to get a guy that has you know high major conference experience, um, that's willing to obviously like play for McCronin is is going to be big. And again, uh, you need players on the floor. Mikrona needs these kind of players on the floor because if he has too much variance on the floor, that's not going to go well. So he needs at least some guys out there. His hair's going to all yeah, fall but out. The hair that doesn't exist is all going to fall out, right? So, like, it, he needs some people like this on the floor that he can depend on. Yeah, I mean, look, Mikronin has was blessed, right, in the past several seasons that he had a guy like Tiger Campbell on the floor most of the, the game. Uh, who just was kind of an extension of the coach in many ways on the floor to help lead the team. Now, we don't have that anymore. And, you know, while Stevanovic has only been with the, the team a few months, within the program a few months, he does, to your point, bring a lot more high major experience than basically anybody else on this team, minus maybe Kenny Nuba. So, 
it, he, he is going to play a key role, whether or not he ends up starting or coming off the bench uh, remains to be seen. I, I think, again, too early to tell right now, but he is going to be a key player for this team, uh, especially as the season goes on. So good to see him, again, just kind of start gelling with these younger guys, especially, um, and and play within the system. So excited to see him in action as the team, you know, progresses and as we get the rest of our reinforcements uh, in the next you know few weeks hopefully so yeah I guess if there's one thing of concern concern with a big asterisk here because again for all the reasons we mentioned it's really isn't it's hard to take anything away from uh, these games but three-point shooting seems to be maybe the biggest issue right now which isn't all that shocking considering you know we lost guys like David Singleton we lost guys like Tiger Campbell um we didn't have a lot of shooters to begin with so that is something to look out for but it is encouraging to see guys like Sebastian Mack shooting a lot uh, beyond the arc even if they're not going in right now uh, Stefanovic, by all accounts, is a marksman and, and an adequate sh- uh, three-point shooter. I think Dylan Andrews you know, has shown he can be a good shooter. Uh, hopefully his shot is, has devel- developed a little more. Okay, sorry, I cannot speak. Um, and then, you know, uh, Burke is, is supposed to be an adequate shooter. So I think we have guys who can hit threes. We'll just see, you know, we just want to look for improvement at this point based on what we've seen so far. But again, very small sample size, really not anything to panic about, but something to watch out for. Yeah, I mean, I think what we have seen is that um, there are players in their in our lineup and younger players who look like they could be ready to step up and, and contribute. You're the likes of Sebastian Mack, Jan Vide, um, Dylan Anders is, is picking up from, from last year. Uh, Lazar Stefanovic, you know, that's someone who looks like he has some nice veteran leadership and presence that he can bring to this team. So that's the part I think that's good. Um, the stuff I think to look out for, again, it's like you, you said three-point shooting. I think that's that's one to watch out for, and I do think we we have capable shooters, uh, especially given, you know, one of our better what are, what are better projected shooters and Berke is not playing right now. Um and the other one, I think, is turnovers, which, again, at this time of year, um, with as little practice as we have had and without a lot of our players, I think that would be expected. Um, and uh, those are two probably things that are going to likely continue on into the season. And it's a matter of, you know, when can we write the ship on some of those things? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, as this trip goes on, we'll just keep watching. For, for some data and information coming out around the, the games. You know, it's, it's a shame they're not being streamed or any sort of replays are available, at least as of now, uh, to watch what's going on in these games. But again, they seem like pretty low-key affairs for what they are, right? I mean, we're not even wearing full uniforms in these things, so it seems like they're uh, we're not taking them too seriously. Uh, so... Yeah, it's a great experience, like you mentioned, for the the students. It's been fun to watch their journeys, uh, experiencing it, Europe and a new country for a lot of them, their first time there. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll 
see what happens in the next two games. But yeah, so far two and zero, and uh, hopefully they just continue on improving. All right, on to our favorite subject, right? I suppose uh, I. I go through this every year where I'm just so jaded, and then as the season approaches, I get, you know, deep down inside, kind of excited. I love college football, so, um, yeah, <laughs> here we are. Here we are on the uh, precipice. Yeah, here we are. I mean, it's it's an interesting season in so many ways. Um, like, the wounds are all still healing from the demise of the Pac-12 just a couple weeks ago and in the midst of that we've got a really interesting conference season to go through now perhaps like as interesting of a conference season as there's been since like the formation of the Pac-12 like since the early years when you had Oregon and Stanford and and we were really good at that time and you had Arizona State good and uh, Washington. Washington right like so probably since that time you got a lot of ranked teams, but it wasn't. I don't think it's just ranked teams for, for ranked teams' sake. I think you got a lot of good quarterbacks, a lot of good, um, just overall teams in this league this year, which is just again really ironic because it's going to be the last year uh, for the league. It is. It is ironic to look at the Pac-12 right now from a football perspective and be like, "Damn, there's legitimately you know three or four teams here that could make some noise this season." Uh, which is unfortunate to think about, you know, long term what could have been with the Pac-12, but we're not here to talk about that. Uh, we are here to talk about UCLA and this season, and uh, there's obviously a lot of change. Uh, where do we want to start here, Kevin? There's a, there's a lot to talk about with this team. I, I think there's a lot of open questions and a lot to be excited about. Well, let's start on a positive uh, note. Let's start on a positive note. Let's talk about offense. Because talking about offense is always really good with UCLA and Chip Kelly, right? Um, I have no worries on the, with this offense. Regardless of who starts at quarterback, regardless of how this offensive line shakes out, I think we will have a good offense. That's my prediction, and it's not really a hot take or a bold prediction. It's hard way. not to see it being a top-20 offense, just given the talent, the skill positions. Um and again, the the track record of our coach, uh, he again has shown over the last three years. You you throw in kind of anybody, and you're gonna pretty much get a pretty solid offense. Obviously, the quarterback has been constant, but you know we we got. I think I think most people have confidence that this is all gonna be fine, and you know the quarterback battle is gonna take a lot of attention uh, out of it. And and that and right naturally so it's a quarterback battle. It's a new five-star freshman quarterback that's coming in uh, into UCLA. So naturally, like that, those things are going to take a lot of attention. Looks like you know going into the season, we're probably going to see some form of, form of like game reps deciding who gets to be the starter going into conference play, and and that to me makes perfect sense. You know, let let the games decide who's the the best quarterback and then let that let that fly uh into conference play when we start against utah i think that that is totally fair i i i don't think i'm crazy in saying this but this is probably the most talented offense top to bottom in at least a decade if not longer i think so like if you look at all of our positions and depth and talent and skill level 
I, I can't think of another team where we were just good. We had good, talented players across every position, essentially. I mean, the skill players, absolutely, you're right. I mean, I think the receivers and how they project to be really just kind of takes the top off of this thing. Because um, we've always, I think, had good receivers and tight ends, right? I mean, you can't have the top 20 offenses we've had without having good players there. But but this year, you look to have some real dudes out there uh, from J. Michael Sturdivant, Kyle Ford, and the list goes on and on. Uh, you got speed players. Sturd- Sturdivant, Sturdivant putting up 65 catches for what, 700 yards last year in Cal's offense uh, just makes me salivate to see what he's going to do with the Chip Kelly. Like, it truly, in, a, in an actually actual modern offensive system like this dude has the talent to really really ball out Uh, and I can't I cannot remember a receiver like that at UCLA in a very long time you know we had flashes of guys like that like Jordan Lasley was a dude that sometimes just popped off the screen and he looked at him was like wow this guy could be really really good um you know but we had consistent good receivers for for a while you know Jordan Payton comes to mind but I don't think we've had a guy at the level of of Sturdivant with the just you know straight up talent that he has and the the ability kind of total package receiver in like 20 years yeah I I I think we're seeing a one-year Bruin uh, I think he's he'll be going pro next year if, if, if I'm being honest uh, and I don't think anybody would be shocked uh, if and when that happens because again in in Cal's offense in a Bill Musgrave offense uh, having 65 catches uh, that's not that's not a joke and so yeah I mean UCLA's most talented receiver since cheese I mean you threw, threw out a couple names like I don't know how far back you'd have to go, uh, honestly. Like, like Freddie, Freddie Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah, I was, that's where I was going to go. So, I mean, but, but – and it's not just him, right? You have Kyle Ford. You have Cam Brown returning. Um, you got a lot of different toys. Titus. Ti- yeah, t- Titus is there. you got a lot of different, different guys um, to play with. The offensive line, I think, is always the one where we look at, and usually there's like, you know, two or three guys who are unknowns. Um, but I think, again, you have to give some level of leeway here just to given how Chip Kelly has handled our offensive lines and such over the past couple of years. So, yeah, I think overall, whoever the quarterback is, um, most likely you're not going to get bad quarterback play and most likely you're going to have a, a, a very good overall offense. I think from a quarterback room perspective, we have four legitimate guys right now who could, who are Pac-12 level, you know, eventual starting type quarterbacks. I mean, you have Garbers and Dante Moore, who you already mentioned, but Colin Sklee is a guy who can start, who's played at the at the D1 level and started um, games like he was a starting level quarterback. And then you have Justin Martin, who by all accounts has the talent and has shown the talent even in practice to be a guy who projects to be a potential starter down the line. So 
like I, I again, I don't remember having this kind of depth at quarterback. And then you look at running back. Yes, last season we had Charbonnet, who obviously is an absolute monster, and he's been, you know, at least in preseason in the NFL, doing great. So good to see that translate. Um, but beyond Charbonnet, you know, we had a really young T.J. Harden who really popped when he got games uh, or got some playing time. But other than that, like, it was kind of a steep drop-off. Uh, you can argue that the running back room now is a little bit more balanced. We have a little bit more of a thunder and lightning kind of approach with T.J. Harden, who, again, by all accounts this offseason, looks fantastic. And then you have Carson Steele coming in, who ran for 1,500-plus yards uh, already at the FBS level last season, who you can – I can't imagine him doing worse than that in a Chip Kelly run scheme, uh, which is exciting to think about. So it just feels like top to bottom this this offense is going to be very balanced, a lot of talent, a lot of depth. And uh, at this point – I will give props to Chip Kelly and, and and trust him to put together a very, very effective offense. All right. Are we ready to talk about the other side? Uh, I'm never really ready, but I, I guess we have to. Yeah. All right. So, defense. <laughs> I, I think... We've all we said it, say it every year before we start the year. If we can somehow become a top fifty defense, top sixty defense, at this point, we're gonna make a lot of noise this year. There's there's no other way to say it. And in my mind, if we're gonna do that, it has to come from the front seven. Um, particularly, I think the front four with our defensive line. I think our starting defensive line looks looks very dangerous or could be dangerous. Um, particularly Atulatu, uh, who is going to go pro next year. This will be his last year in, in Westwood. Um, and he's he needs to lead the way. He needs to be that disruptive pass rusher. There's no reason to think he won't be. The tackles, I think, are a huge key, uh, particularly now in the new scheme of Danton Lynn. Um, the defensive tackles play such a huge role in the Ravens-type scheme of shutting down the run, which we've struggled with for a long time. I think Jay Toya and Gary Smith, they got to step up now. It's it, they've, they've been in the program for a long time. they got to step up, um, and, and let's see what they can do there. And then you got the Murphy twins, obviously, to, to add pass rush uh, and things like that. Carl Jones, Carl Jones there, also. there also. So I, I think you've got the makings of what could be a good defensive line. It's hard for me to see that they'll be great, but I think it could be a good one. We just need them to be effective. We don't need them to be great. We've been saying this for years now. Like, no, nothing about the defense needs to be great. It just needs to be average, So let's, <laughs> if we're let's being take honest. average as our benchmark. So let's – I think it is reasonable to expect the defensive line to be average, I hope, because if it's bad, then we're all, it's, this has all gone to shit here. Um, the linebackers, we return a lot uh, in this this area – Darius Mosel is back, you know, uh, John John Bonds is back, Kane Medrano back, Ali Cajo back. I mean, there's a lot that is returning here. And it's a lot returning that's, I mean, they've all had their moments. Darius Mosel, I think, 
got some like preseason love and uh, all Pac-12 teams and such. I'm not sure his play really has dictated that uh, up to this point. Um, this group right here, I think, is is the key because the next group we're going to talk about, I don't really have a whole lot of a lot of faith there. This group stepping up, I think, is the key. Well, I, and I think we have some newcomers that can kind of change the the outlook of this also, right? You have uh, Oladejo coming in from Cal, who, you know, played well with Cal, uh, who adds kind of a, a larger, he might be one of our biggest linebackers right now, I think, um, in that group. And then I'm excited to see, you know, some of the younger guys, even like guys like Shea, Shea Bryant Struther and... Um, John John Vaughn's, you know, who flashed a little bit last season to step up this year. Uh, it, again, it feels like we have a lot of depth and we have a decent amount of talent at the linebacker group, especially you know now that we get Ale Keho back, uh, who was you know a five star recruit played at Bama, you know, got injured unfortunately when he we came here, but there's a lot to like out of Keho, and uh, by all accounts from you know uh, training so far. The linebacker group looks the part, at least physically. They look big. They look strong. They look fast, which is good because I'm not now, sure they always look that way. So that's good if they do. Yeah, like I, I feel like we hear this a lot every year. Though it's like, oh, this group looked really good, you know, physically. We hear that about the the secondary a lot. We've heard that about some of the DL in the past as well, and it doesn't always translate. But but you know. The linebacking group from a top to bottom perspective, they look like we have the types of players here, I think, to be good. Yeah, well, and, and this is where I was going with that, because the next group, the defensive backs, I think physically probably do look good. I'm sure if you threw them in a, in a weight room and you threw them um, on the scale, they probably all measure decently well. Um but there's just this is back, kind of like back of the day when we had Aaron Hester and Sheldon Bryce. Do you remember that? Um, I try not yeah, to. Yeah, and it's like each year you expect things to get better, and at a certain point, it's like, well, what's going to get better? Um, so I think I mean coaching can help. Absolutely, coaching can help. I I don't think that they're as bad as the, as as has been shown on the field. I, I do think there's been a lot of bad coaching there. Just how much soft coverage have we seen? Free ten yard routes. Right. Um, so I, I do think there's a lot of room for improvement there. That said, and you know, the Ravens defense even better. Right. I mean, the linebackers being able to like to being able to tackle and and stop the run, I think, is where this puppy all starts, um, because we have to be decent enough at something. We can't be a porous run defense despite sticking guys in the box and like not be able to cover anybody that got if our benchmark is average i think we gotta you know hope for at least average play then from the linebackers well not just stopping the run but i i think we need to do get a better job at uh, getting pressure on the qb and actually hitting home <coughs> excuse me uh, last year it was really only a lot to doing that he was a one-man wrecking crew but we we need other guys to step up and be able to hit home uh get in the backfield and and wreak some havoc there to to take again to your point take some of that pressure off of the dbs uh regardless of how good or bad they are you 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 can't 
at least at our level, you know, just leave guys on an island and try to have them cover for, you know, an eternity of time, it seems like sometimes. Like, we just, we don't, we don't have the guys, and most teams don't have the guys to do that, right, uh, in the college games. We need to make sure we get some some quarterback pressure this season, uh, aside from Latu, you know, providing it. And, and I think... We've had guys who've shown flashes of that, but we just need to be more consistent at it um, from a schematic level. And, and I'm not talking about you know doing the the gimmicky. Let's just blitz every every single play, but I think just smart pressure um, and actually you know scheming to get home is going to be key here for this defense. Yeah, and you just you basically in many words, just said it. A lot of this is going to come down to what is Dan Tomlin about. And, and, he, and again, he, he speaks really well. Uh, you know, he, he sounds really good on a camera. His players speak well about him. Um, ultimately, we're in a results business. So we'll see, you know, how, how this goes. Uh, and, and thankfully, you got a pretty easy slate here, if we're being really nice about it, uh, to start. We have time, right? A little bit of time to tool. You got three and games here to, to tool it up. Um, San Diego State's a little bit of a tricky one, but I think you got that. That's good in the sense that you have to play at least somewhat of a of a you know tester. So I think you got three games there that you gotta you can really um, get the stuff ironed out before you have to start conference play with Utah. I will say this thing about Danton Lynn. He's probably the first defensive coordinator that Chip Kelly has hired at UCLA that I am. We're excited about it. I right? guess We're excited to see what it's about. I, I, I am. I think, yeah, I, I, I'm scared to say it, but I am. I, I, it's, it's the first time we've had a fresh face who's not some, you know, older guy kind of running a dinosaur scheme that's a well-known quantity. We have this young guy who we don't know a ton about. He's stepping up into this role. He has a background of coming from, you know, a good defensive organization. There's obviously a lot of unknowns about it, but just it seems like he brings a lot of energy and, and there's there's a, an exciting unknown about him. We we don't know how it's going to go. And and that's kind of maybe what we need here is is a little bit of unpredictability with uh, how we run our defense rather than having, you know, these old school defenses being run under Chip Kelly that just really haven't worked. So there, there, it is exciting to see uh, or kind of anticipate how this is going to play out with him. It can't be worse than what we've seen the last few years, right? Like that's rock bottom already. So hopefully he's the guy who can uh, help us just, you know, find our way at least to average this season. All right. So now we got our schedule. And I hope, I mean, we do play at San Diego State, but I hope we don't really have to do a whole lot to pick the first three games. I mean, we better be 3-0 and going into Utah. And so, uh, yeah, again, if we just avoid... That one, the one clunker, 3-0 going into Utah, um, 
And as we go through this, we can talk a little bit about these teams. Utah is interesting because, you know, Cam Rising, obviously, he's out right now. He may be back for that game, um, but it's not confirmed as of yet. Maybe that's like his first game back and he's rusty. We don't know. That is not a place generally UCLA has done very well. Um, uh, we're cursed at Rice Eccles. Yes. So I find it hard to believe that we can go there and get a result. But what say you? Uh, I think that's our first loss of the season. Yeah, in my mind, you know, Utah is probably, because I know, you know, SC and Washington are getting a lot of love in these polls, but Utah's always that rock-solid team that you know, always finds a way to be there at the end and, and with a with an experienced quarterback, no, no reason this would be any different. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see it. Uh, we've just never fared well up there. Um, that's an L from me. So now we go at home to Washington state, uh, at home. Generally we play well. I think we can, we'll, we'll end up beating Washington state at home. Um, you know, again, any, any of these, like Washington state isn't the kind of team I think where, if our defense is just completely crap on day, they can throw up 35 points on us. But but I think at home, we'll bounce back. I agree. I, I, I would hope we don't lose to Washington State at home. But <laughs> we had that horror show Arizona game last year, so... Don't, don't remind me. Know, that that, that might be, like, but... the biggest loss in, like, the last six, seven years. For, Easy. Right? doomed us really sank the ship but the past is in the past we're not gonna talk about so that. this is a tricky game now coming up so right now per our prediction we are four and one and we are going to corvallis to play oregon state who i think is is a dark horse to win the league this year uh, i think they're ranked they're ranked 18th they got a real good running game um i think you know, it was obviously, you know, DJU coming out from, from Clemson. He gets some of the love there. He's probably going to be starting this year. But but Damian Martinez, I mean, he they can really run the ball well. And if we don't get our defense sorted out, then this can this will be a long one. Yeah, I mean, like, Jonathan Smith is a good coach. He's put together a good good program up there. Like, there's uh, – there's nothing more to be said about that that team. Like they're going to be a good team this year. They've been building up to this for a while. Uh, this is going to be a hard game. I November or it's mid October, yeah, but it's but a hey, mid October game. They're going to be motivated. Fall. They're going to be. I mean, Oregon State. The crowd's going to be up for it. Oh, for sure. Like they're going to be. I, I I think and and we haven't really talked about this. There's going to be a, like a little subcontext here I, that we. I'm curious to see how it plays out, but are the LA schools going to have a little bit of a target on their back this year within the broader context of conference realignment? It feels like potentially schools, you know, fan bases, the teams themselves might hold a little bit of a grudge or blame, you know, UCLA and, and Southern Cal a little bit for, 
the fall of the Pac-12 for some of these schools scrambling, especially for a school like Oregon State, um, who's really kind of left holding the bag here. I'm curious to see what, what uh, not just Oregon State, but the broader co- conference play here, like how teams kind of approach playing UCLA and, and SC. Yeah, I, if I had to guess, this will be a loss. I agree with you here, unfortunately. Uh, it's a scary road game. It's always been a weird place to go, Corvallis. Um, like, everybody struggles up there. So, okay, so we're 4-2, and two, and this stretch right here, I think, to me, ends up defining the season. It's at Stanford, at home to Colorado, at Arizona. We better not lose to Stanford. I was just going to say, if we lose to Stanford, we should just fold for the rest of the season. So let's say we beat Stanford. At home to Colorado, again, first year of Coach Prime. Um, you, you know, <laughs> I am very, very excited to see what Colorado looks like this year. They got, I think, is it 60 new players this year total? I, they basically just ported over. Uh, Coach Prime ported over like half his old team and then bunch of I, I don't even know what's going on with them i think his son came over right i think shadur sanders is is uh at yeah at colorado now yeah. <laughs> i'm assuming he's gonna start um this whole colorado transformation has been wild to watch um and a little sad having you know watching some of these players get kind of thrown out into the cold but I am very excited to see what this team looks like. I, I think they're going to be a little bit of a mess in their first year of uh, Coach Sanders, uh, Coach Prime coming in. But again, I don't know. Like they're so it, it, Colorado feels very, very unpredictable. I, I don't know how to really project them out. Given that they didn't win a game last year, I'd have to think that at home we should be able to beat them. I would think so too. I and I I think we get, I I put us in the the dub column here, but I could see this game being weird. I I could too, but let's say we're six and two now, and now we go to the desert. This right here to me is the difference between you know continuing on and staying in the conference race all the way to the end of the season, and starting to fizzle out in November once again this game right here uh we better just wreck them like this this game better be treated like a a little bit of a revenge game by some of our players that were on the team last year it's gonna be interesting because uh jetfish has been recruiting well i i mean i think you and i think think highly of him um but and at the same time they 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 got to start like putting together some solid seasons now they went five and seven last year um so so this is a big year for them and there's their schedule is not so favorable they get a lot of all pretty much all the ranked teams uh in the pac-12 on their schedule so they'll be plenty motivated uh to to be playing us i plus well they also have a rapist as a quarterback, so I also would love that. to would love to, you know, knock him about a few times 
uh, just fairly deplorable program all around. You know my thoughts on Arizona as an institution as a whole, so I, I don't need to get into that. But yeah, we we should we should kick the living shit out of this team, hopefully. But we also said that last year, and look how that turned out. So I I don't know. So let's say I think going to Arizona makes it a little bit more difficult. Makes it a little bit more difficult. That said, I mean, I know they like to like chirp and scream a bit but but is arizona really that hard of a place to to go to I, right? no we've i so, mean we've beat them there so plenty yeah of times. we look i would count this one in the win column right now yeah i'm with you which now we go to arizona state at home um jaden rashada led or uh arizona state Jaden rashada led arizona state um to me, this is all about, you know, and really the Arizona and Arizona State game, if we can get to this point in the season how we think we do, is all about avoiding an Arizona-like performance last year. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's count that in the win column before we go to the big one. Uh, at home, or sorry, on the road this year. It's on the road, on yeah. On the road to USC. You know my policy with this game. I will never predict us to lose. Well, and this is what, I this is what I'll say about this game. Um, he's 2-3, and three, but Chip Kelly, in my, I think, has coached this game really well. Um, and, and, and that's not to say, like, I mean, in the game, like last year in the game, we had our own issues with, like, specific play calls, not running the ball. But I would say, like, game planning, scouting, stuff like that, um, being in a posi- good position going into the game to succeed, I'd say we've done very well in that department and each every single game has gone down to like a play or two here or there regardless yeah regardless of that outcome i mean it was an electric game we had our chances we had multiple chances to win that game so i i i'm not gonna count that out and you know it is regardless of uh, the outcome last year uh it is good to see this rivalry actually get reignited again in a more meaningful way yeah, and I, I, SC is an interesting team this year because uh, obviously way too much hype. It's a typical SC team in that sense. So also well, they got you know obviously Caleb Williams and you know their offense is going to be electric, electric and and yada yada. I mean they're going to be a top five offense I think pretty easily. Um, they got a lot of new bodies on defense. They got a lot. Um, some guys who are projected to be drafted, like Sunday guys. And yet, like, I mean, I've been following Lincoln Riley for a long time now, and I have I have never seen good defense from any of his teams. Like, going back... Their defense was bad last season, too. I, there's no reason to believe it's going to be good this season. Yeah, and I mean, Alex Grinch, uh, I, this is like, I don't understand how he has kept a job in these high major programs for as long as he has. Um, it's bizarre, like, man. It really is. Like the last good defense that he really had was like at what Washington state, like many, many, many years ago. Like when he went to Ohio state, like immediately they turned into a bottom 70 defense. Like they weren't a top 70 defense. And then he left. And the year after they were like the number one defense. So like, that he was bad there. 
none of the OU, OU team's defenses were good. Not not a single one. And then some of them, like, statistically, they look like they're all right. But then you dig into, like, the, any of the schedules a little bit and you realize, like, oh, like, whenever they played anybody half decent, like, half decent, it was a, they gave up, like, minimum 30 points. So... Sounds familiar. Yeah, and, and, and I see, I expect a lot of that from SC this year because, like, their schedule, like, at the beginning of the year, I mean, it's it's really Little Sisters of the Poor. It's kind of similar to us. And they're really not going to get tested until they go to Notre Dame in, like, the middle of October. So I think you're going to see a lot of, like, you know, oh, I think they're, they're much improved on defense and all that. I think you're going to see a lot of that. It, we're not going to really know anything about them until the middle of October, in my mind. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of what we saw last year is uh, Caleb Williams bailing SC out. Like, we saw that time and time again. The defense couldn't stop, you know, a leaf. Uh, so it's going to be kind of in his hands. He's obviously a very good player. Uh, hate his guts, but I will admit he's a good player. Um, but again, in a rivalry game, like this is the, this is the a game that I think can go either way. So I'm not going <laughs> to, you, you know, my prediction here, I'm going to say we win. So yeah, uh, even though it's at the Coliseum, Hey, we won last time I mean, we were at the Coliseum. So, yep. Crazy stuff can happen. Uh, the last game, Cal sucks. I think we beat Cal. Yeah, I, Cal's horrible. Though, it, I I do think that game truly depends on the outcome of the last game. I mean, we saw last season. Cal was putrid last year, too, and we really tried our best to lose that game. <laughs> so, like, you you never know. Okay, Zed, so we just predicted 10-2. and two. Ah, shit. So this is where I'd say we can correct. Cause it, shout out to Isaiah. Shout out to Isaiah. Um, what I actually think will happen here is one of these other games, um, and, and this is this ultimately will determine whether we have quote unquote turned a corner under Ship. We keep waiting for to turn the corner under Ship Kelly. If you can beat all the teams you're supposed to beat on this schedule, right away you get to nine wins, and then it's a matter of you know. Could you sneak one out against Utah, Oregon State, or USC? Can we win a coin? One of the coin flip games, right? Like I don't think any of these games we will be heavily unfavored, right? Like they're all close enough. They should be all close enough from an odds perspective that we we should have a chance, a good chance of winning those games. I, I, like Utah's good, Oregon State's good, but. I don't think they're like head and shoulders above where we're at right now. No, and our schedule sets up well that we don't play the other two contenders in this league, which is Washington and Oregon. We don't play them this year. So Utah, Oregon State, USC, they're all on the road. Again, I I think for us, the main key this year is not slipping up any of these other games. Are we good enough to do that? Because in previous years, like, last two years we've been we've been good we've been all right but but we've always lost that one or two games usually last year was one um that just makes you go what was that 
And that's what we got to avoid this year with such a senior-laden team. I mean, there's so much veterans, so many, so much experience here that you would hope that we'd be able to do that. Yeah, I agree. We we can't. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we can't do it. We shouldn't do it. Sadly, I think we do do it somewhere. Like there's there's a banana peel in there that we slip on. I just don't know which which school it is. It could be. I can see any of these games from Colorado through Arizona State be a, a slip up. Even Washington State, I could see us slipping up on. Unfortunately, I would say. So yeah i i think I think our prediction is ten and two. I think what ends up happening though is we're like somewhere nine and three, eight and four territory. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm gonna call nine and three for this year. Um, I don't know who the the three will be to, but I think in the end we, we this feels like a nine and three team, um, unless we again we can churn out a top fifty defense. Or Dante Moore wins the. Uh... When's the starting job and is just that good? Yeah, Dante Morris, Caleb Williams, and great. But other than that, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. We're gonna we're gonna slip up in some stupid way, and uh, we'll all be sitting at home or in the stadium, depending on which game, or tearing our hair out and looking at. Uh, at the what what could have been scenarios like we did last year and uh <laughs> it'll be a all too familiar feeling unfortunately but hey this is why the games are played um season's right around the corner like we're we're a little little over a week away so it's 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 exciting it's that time of year i'm i'm stoked right now i'm uh i'm ready to get my heart broken again soon and uh yeah we'll go from there we will go from there. Um, all right. All right. Anything Anything else to add before we, we sign off? I think that's it. Let's, let's get college football season started, and then let's get our hearts ripped out. Let's do it. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, I think with that, we're going to sign off. Uh, as always, please follow us on Twitter slash X. Um, you know, our, the pod is everywhere where podcasts can be found on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, etc. And uh, yeah, if you enjoy listening to us, please share with your other Bruin friends um, wherever they may listen. And as always, we will catch you next time. And go Bruins! Go Bruins! <laughs>